right. Here we are. I'll click this thing off. Three, two, one. And we say, uh, Happy Tuesday night. Happy Tuesday night Bible study. We are getting near the end of 1 Samuel. We are at chapter uh, 30 tonight. We kind of started that last week. Uh, we were doing chapter 29, and then we went on into chapter 30, the first six verses, and it kind of left you hanging. It was a cliffhanger. That's the way you do to get people to you know, come back next week. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. <laughs> yeah, well, De- I, we have quite a challenge because Debbie went to see the ark. I mean, that's we can't hold a candle to that one. So, and uh, so anyway, um, so why don't we uh, go ahead and look at uh, this uh, chapter twenty-nine and where we were at last week? We're seeing the kind of consequences of our actions. Sometimes David was kind of following his own thinking and um, he does get the consequences out of it. Uh, We'll do a quick little review of those first six verses in chapter 30 and then kind of go on to the rest of the chapter and we'll kind of work in the thoughts of what was happening in 29 also. You had the Amalekites and uh, they seemed to make their living by raiding uh, the Philistines or maybe the Israelite towns and cities in the south. And they had received good news because the Philistines were going to go on the war path to um, take out the Israelites. And wherever they were going, the uh, Malachites would be able to um, kind of raid these smaller places that were uh, not defended. Didn't have to worry about the Philistines or even David for that matter. And uh, so David and his men, according to chapter 29, were dealing with the... Philistines army and they were included in it but uh, four of the five commanders said "Uh uh-uh he's not going and none of his men are going and they were in the prime position of being in the rear and uh, Achish which was a commander that David had dealt with said uh, tried everything buddy but uh, doesn't look like you're going to be able to go and David said oh shucks <laughs> and so David and his men now go back to the city of Ziklag which is where the place is where they were staying and doing very well and they were horrified because that they said saw that the city had been destroyed and uh, every living soul had been taken somewhere. All the cattle and the, the women, the children, they were all gone. So, and then the, the rest of the men and the army, they, they wondered what, what happened, what's going on? That's their wives and children. The best thing that could happen to them probably would be they would become slaves. And there's no way that these men are going to let that happen. And David get some going, but before they go, the 600 soldiers are really, (coughs) really distressed, and they start thinking about what David has done, 
whatever had come to pass in the last couple of years, you know, that he went to the land of the Philistines. So they started thinking about that. And then David uh, had a request to go to this place, Ziklag, and it would be their city. Uh, David, that was his plans there. And then um, it was David's plan, at least he said that he was willing to fight with the Philistines. And they're putting all this together, and they're wondering, what is he doing? What has he been doing? And they got so angry, they were ready to stone him. And so, that is what is the matter with that. Now, I have something here that's plugged in, but it's not plugged in all the way because there's a power button right here that needs to be turned on. Okay. Sent 10% was left. It was running low. This thing needs power. And evidently, Holy Spirit power doesn't work for this one. This laptop. <laughs> anyway. Ooh, okay. Well, that's what we've gotten up to really the first six verses of chapter 30. And that sets us up for the rest of this chapter now, which is victory after tragedy. We've just seen the tragedy. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for who You are and what You do for us, how You guide us and direct us. And as we look at Your Word tonight, Give us further understanding into your truths and help us to see who you are and how you work with your people. And Lord, you always have the best answer for everything. And you have the truth. And help us to seek you more and more. And as David sought you, we see that there is absolute victory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we have David pursuing the Lord as he gets ready to pursue the enemy. And that's what's good. Right at the end of verse 6 is a key phrase. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, Yahweh, his God. So he strengthened himself. Now, he's seeking the Lord out, isn't he? That's what he's been doing. And uh, he does much better when he does that. So do we. And that is what it's about. He has his heart turned toward the Lord. The Lord has his will and his plan. And he wants to give it to David. And David wants that. This turns out to be actually one of David's finest hours. As we look at this here tonight, strengthens himself in the Lord. Then he turns to the Lord's for uh, specific, uh, I guess you could say, guidance. It says in verse um, seven that David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, "Please bring me the ephod." That's always a good sign. So uh, David inquired. Uh, oh. Please bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this band? 
Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely rescue all. When God says surely, this will happen twice, you can pretty, well, you can count on it. You know for sure that's what will happen. So David went. He and the 600 men who were with him came to the brook Besor, where those left behind remained. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 who were too exhausted to cross the brook Besor remained behind. So you have David seeking the priest and the will of God, and they would use that ephod with the Urim and the Thummim and the kind of thing there that would uh, inquiry, be an inquiry that would be to the Lord. I, I, I have a side question here because of that, if you don't mind. It's a side question. Yeah, it's not really following our story, but bringing up the ephod, was there just one? Because it says, it says that he said to bring here the ephod. And Ahithar brought the ephod. Was that, did each priest have one? Or did that would be priest? like the high priest. There was like, yeah, there was only one. Matter of fact, Saul didn't have access to that ephod, to the ones he might pursue and so this is the one that the one that goes with David the whole time this high this priest would be acting like a he's the one that has that ephod though yeah so David keeps him all the way through his kingship now that line of priest which is goes all the way back to Eli not that far back but um, eventually that line of priest will be done and then we'll see that uh, another line come out after after David. But he stays with him all that time. I guess that's why Saul couldn't get to it if he was with if right. the priest was with David. That's a good question because that's really what, what that's about. And so David is the one getting really the guidance. And of course, Abiathar f- fled because... <laughs> there, yeah. You remember all the other priests got killed. So there is a godsend there. Literally, I mean, God sets all this up, but He has David has one to seek out and to get an answer from God, and so He does. Um, God's answer is that, yeah, you're not only going to overtake these uh, Amalekites, but you're going to completely rescue all that has been taken from you, all the women, the children, the cattle. Everything they will get back. How come David could ask? Before it was always like it was done through Samuel. All the things were taken care of. Samuel was gone now. So there's a priest, and I usually thought the priests were the ones that were to would go through them and stuff like that. But David had direct lines because of that, or because he's going to be king, or yeah, you know I'm saying. Well, he makes an inquiry there okay. to that priest. Okay. To, okay. Yeah. So it and it shows you that David is not going out on his own doing his own thing. When he went down to uh, Philistia, 
he didn't ask for the ephod, or he didn't. You don't see him in prayer. He goes. He just, you know, puts everything together and realizes that this is the way it's always going to be. You know, I've got to do something. And God was going to do something. God told him through a prophet that he was to stay in Israel, in like the Judah area. Well, God is going to use all this that we look at tonight to drive him back to Judah. All of this stuff that looks so bad, that works out so good, God has a plan that stretches out a lot further than anybody can see because David is going to be the king. David knows that, but you know he's been wondering when. I just can't keep doing this. And finally, he got his city that he lived in, and it seemed like a blessing. And God had, I guess, kind of flush him out of there. Uh, he, he got in a predicament where he was going to have to help the Philistine he army. Didn't and ask God about that either. Nope, God took care of it though, didn't he? Yes, he did. That's the grace of God. Sometimes we certainly don't deserve it. God. That's what grace is, anyway. It's dawn on it. I'm going to seek the priest this time and God's will. He's seeking God's will, but this is what God has given them at that time. Uh, certain times that you really needed uh, His will and purpose and you needed it quickly. Uh, the reason is, if you waste too much time, they're going to be on a cold trail. And it's just like whenever there's a kidnapping or a murder. If, if you don't get on that within the, what is it they say, the first 48 hours, right? It's almost impossible to find them. So that's exactly what... They don't even know who did it, right? They don't know where, they're, where they were going. No, they don't know who it is. But God does tell him, go after him. Okay, they go after him, but they're still not sure where they're going. Exactly. And... It's like God withholds information sometimes until you go to the next step, and then He gives the answer. But there's got to be. I mean, there was a. There's got to be some evidence. They've got some. Yeah, you. They're on. A, they're tracking. Yeah. And if you you got good trackers, they're going to tell where you know whether it be like the footsteps. It's still that was an army with two. You know, you want to see some evidence. But uh, they need to get moving, and so they do. Yeah, there's. You would, you would think so, but you'll see what God does here in setting this up. Um, and you got to remember this. Remember the physical and mental condition of these men. They traveled sixty miles from Ziklag, or um, where they were at, where they with the Philistine army, and they went. From that was Aphek. That's where that was where they were at. But, that, but wait a minute, you gotta go further back than that. Did they get some rest after they got up there? Because they went from Ziklag to there, and did they get some rest then? I well, they did through that night. Remember, they you know because they were gonna have to get on out of there the next oh, morning. Oh, okay, right, right, okay. So I don't know how long they were there, but yeah, they 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 did have rest did there. But because they knew. Yeah, yeah. How much rest are you going to get? Yeah, they just kind of keep the that. Yeah, you're arrested. Yeah, we're going to get out here first light or as soon as we're looking cool enough. To right. 
So you got 60 miles that they're hoofing this, marching. That's like going from here to Moberly. That's 60 miles, right? 70 miles, maybe. Something along that line. So that's a pretty good hike, isn't it? Now they get there to Ziklag, and now they're going to start trailing the enemy. They don't have any rest at all. Well, no, they no rest. They had a trauma here. They, they have had no provisions. They <clears throat> had no more strength to weep. Exactly. They wept. I mean, they are grief-stricken, and you know, they they probably were pressing hard to get home as quickly as sure. possible. Anyway, yeah. so now they are heading on out again, getting ready. You know, in in hot pursuit of the enemy, and you know the enemy. Raiding army has a, a a pretty substantial lead here. They're out there, it, and of course the trail can get cold if you don't get on it. So that's why they will do that quickly. So you got to remember, you know, they're grief stricken and they are tired, and uh, this is what's happening there in reality. So, but they've got to move quickly. They can't wait. They've got to go. And so, like we say, they don't even know who the raiders are. Imagine David and his men, they're marching, they're marching double time now. They're on the move. And they come to this place called Brook Basor. They have 600 in the army. Um, 200 of them are beat and cannot possibly physically go any further. That is it. Do they have motivation to do it? Yeah, they do. It's their wives and their kids. But they can't. Physically, they are done, at least for a while. And so, you know, it they four hundred men now are gonna go as the soldiers. So how hard is it to get across this brook? I don't think it's too hard. It probably depends on What's that? Yeah, I think they were too tight. Yeah, I think overall, normally you could probably do it. It's going to take some strength. But, um, I, you know, it's not... I mean, the Jordan River, you know, that's a river there. And, and, of course, unless it's springtime, Jordan River really would be not too hard. You'd, you A little swim, you know, that across it. and over. It's a lot less than probably something like the Morrow River or something like that. You know, pretty close. But they are so, so pooped out, they can't do it. They're exhausted. Is that almost like they need to stay there and rest? Is that kind of a rest Yeah, place yeah. And there is a lot of equipment, or you can say baggage, luggage, whatever they've got. These men are going to watch, because if you just leave it there, I mean, because they're trying to move quickly. They can't carry a lot of stuff with them now. They're carrying the basic and they're going to go get their all their possessions and their families and everything. So they leave a lot of that back. And that and the 200 are at least going to watch that. I mean, there's a lot of marauders out there, you know, that could take that stuff. So it's kind of like some gear there that's important to them. So the 400 men now press on. And that's what where we left off at verse 10. Yeah, they were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor and remain behind. Now, um, 
this is about 13 miles south of Ziklag. That's how far they went. 13 miles would be at, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe like Presido from here, maybe. You know, that's, that'd be a pretty good hike, wouldn't it? You'd be tired just doing that, but you already go out 60 miles. I mean, they, uh, they, they just can't go any further. So that's, that's where they're at. And um, now when you would have the, uh, this is during the spring rains, which would be like January through April. You know, we have spring rains that are pretty good, right? So the brook was probably filled up with a pretty good uh, runoff there. And that would make the soldiers say, I can't even go across that. The other guys are, they're up for it. And they're able to do it. Humanly, you could ordinarily do it. So does that help there? So uh, taking that time of the year, it would be full. And probably flooding over. Yeah. So it would have been a challenge. So and and so it's for real. It's not like they're saying, "Oh, you know, can you guys do it?" I just kind of want to sit here for a little bit. You know, like me sitting on the couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I could have done the same thing. Whenever I saw your eyes, that's the way I felt about four o'clock today. I think a lot of it has to do with these allergies and all this pollen that's flying around in the air with that wind. Boy, it's been doing that for a month, and man, it's been doing a whammy on me. Probably a lot of other people, too. Okay, well, uh, 11 through 15. Now, they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, gave him bread, and he ate, and they provided him water to drink. They gave him a piece of fig cake and two clusters of raisins, and he ate. (laughs) Then his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. Almost enough to kill you, but not drinking for three, three days. David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite, And my master left me behind when I fell sick three days ago. We made a raid on the Negev of the Cherethites and on that which belongs to Judah and on the Negev of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. Well, he just said it. He's one of them. Then David said to him, Will you bring me down to the band? It almost sounds like a rock group or something. (laughs) The band. (laughs) Band of... And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master and I'll bring you down to this band. Okay, stop there. This is the providence of God. This is beautiful. This is how God does it. Sometimes He makes it really clear. Which the ephod, the priest, says go, you'll win, take them on. They go out after them and they're still wondering, well, who is it? And where are they at? Well, they get those answers in a most unique way. They come across a man. Surprise, surprise, surprise! (laughs) He was left half dead in this field. He's so weak he can't even talk. 
And it seems to some that maybe, probably, this would be a waste of time. A lot of people would say, we've got to move on. No, no, we can save a lot of time with this guy. Uh, so David is confident that he's going to be able to get some answers out of him. Uh, it takes bread, takes water, then a piece of fig cake, and just like Carolyn always says a lot, you know, you give a mouse a cookie, he want a glass of milk. So he's still, you know, like this with the food and the water. So they give him the, the cake, and and then they, you know, he said, uh, "Hey, come on, give us the answer." And and then he gets the raisins. That did it. It's the, it was that sugar, right? A fig cake and raisins brought him back to life in a in a sense. Uh, three days, three nights without food and water, and they give him, you know, uh, things that will get him going here. Which is that's what you give a man whenever they're hungry and thirsty. You give them real food and real water. David does a little interrogation of his own here. Then after that, David said to him, "To whom do you belong, and where are you from?" Pretty good. You know, so it's like, "Who are you? Where are you from?" And, uh, of course, you think, oh, this man is going to do what they do in interrogations. You're going to have to beat him up, right? <laughs> That's not going to happen here. <laughs> he already had enough motivation to tell everything for what they did. And so David questions him, you know, and he says, I'm an Egyptian. It's kind of interesting that he has to say this. I, I am a young man of Egypt. I bet you at that time he looked pretty old. <laughs> no... You know, as young as you can be sometimes, man, if you haven't had food and water, and water for, you know, three days, you know, and you've got a growth of beard, and of course that's what they usually had, you know, it's probably maybe kind of hard to tell. So he says, I'm a young man of Egypt. I'm a slave. And that's, that is telling you something. And he said, I became sick. That's what happened. And... He's a slave, so he's not really worth a whole lot. And they've got to be moving and running on. And uh, he's slowing them down. What are they going to do? Carry him? No, they're not going to carry him. They'll leave him there to die. That's really, They didn't even leave him any food or water. That's the kind of people the Amalekites are. So I wonder if they fed the uh, women and the children. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Anyway... Um, David has gotten some answers here, got exactly what he needed, and he this servant here knows that his master left him to die. Um, and then he says, "This Amalekite raiding party here, they uh, they plundered uh, Ziklag too, as he names the places that they've been doing." Tells him everything, and then when he says Ziklag, ah, we got the answer. Where did that come from? See how God set it all up? Just amazing. I just see providence of God. Now, does it say it right here? It doesn't, does it? You think we're jumping to uh, conclusions here? I don't think so. Because we know that God is in everything. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. They got the answer that they needed when they needed it. Not before. I'm sure David was 
saying, you know, to the priest, tell, tell who they are, where they're at. You know, didn't get that answer. So we go to the next section. Oh, there is an exchange there for David's assurance that he will not be killed or handed back over to his master. Right? He says, "I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you where they're at." I'm sure David, you know, David kind of asked him the question. Then, well, would you show us where where they think they're at? He says, "Sure. Just don't kill me, <laughs> and don't turn me over to the Amalekites." So I guess he stayed with them from there on out. He's a young man. Who knows what happens, right, after that. But uh, anyway, we go to the next section. And this is victory. This is rescue. Boy, it happens quick. I mean, it doesn't go on for a whole chapter or anything. Here we go. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David slaughtered them from the twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. But nothing of theirs was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything, that they had taken for themselves. David brought it all back. So David had captured all the sheep and the cattle which the people drove ahead of the other livestock. And they said, this is David's spoil. David's a hero again, isn't he? Because of what God had done here. Well, the enemy is drunk. <laughs> That's really that what helped. it is. That helped all a great deal, didn't it? Sleeping because they ate too much food, or drank too much liquor, or... Well, you're a tired army, but boy, when you see this, it gives you a rejuvenation. Just like it does for us, Penny. We were tired before we came in here, and all of a sudden we're rejuvenated for maybe an hour or so, and then we'll be done. Yeah. Because it, it's four hundred. David's men are only four hundred, and why we have four hundred here, I don't know. I mean, yeah. For, exactly. None got away, but 400. I guess, and really what it's saying is these guys were quite a merry bunch of men that must have been a big, pretty big army. We don't get the numbers on it. So that's a good point because what you're saying is that 400 is pretty much, but that's nothing compared to how many they had. That's what you're saying, right? Right. And that's a good point. Yeah. And David, all he has is 400. And they win that against these guys, which probably numbers thousands. Who are riding camels. Now, I'm going to go make a point. Where did that last guy that they found out that that was dead from? Egypt. Egypt. Where do camels usually Egypt. Do you think maybe they were part of the captive that got away? 
there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, somehow they came up with camels. Because you said the young yeah. man, and he said they told you he was a young man. Then they happened to mention there that he, these are all young men that were driving camels. Yeah. And camels, we know, are basically written, or Egypt carries a lot of the camels. Yeah, it leaves a lot to be so filled in, yeah. doesn't it? So they might have been the slaves. They might have been the slaves that were helping these guys out, and when the opportunity was to get Maybe out of God there, just let them go. Yeah. Because you're referring back to the Egypt thing, and I'm yeah. kind of wondering. Or even young man. Don't know. Really young, you know, like teenagers or something. Maybe. Well, that they mentioned the point that he said he was a young man, and then right over there it mentions a young yeah, man. Yeah, and what's a young man? Yeah. Is it probably could be in young, the teen, young, teenage. Young, yeah. Guys, and maybe they, and they were slaves. able, they just got out of there. But it's interesting, you know, yeah, you read through that, and you go, huh, that's interesting, but you want to know, find, find out the rest of it, but you go, wait a minute, uh, this is pretty important here. It, it definitely means that they had a lot of people in their army. They are spread out across the land. Now, if you are thinking that there's going to be anybody coming after you, what would you do? Do you remember wagon train? You put the men or the women and the children and the older people in the middle, you know, and then all around on the outside, you protect it, right? And you stay together. You don't spread out. But, hey, they were so... Well, David was up there... Fighting the Philistines, as far as I knew. There wasn't anybody around. Philistines are doing their thing. David and his guys, they're with them. So. That's what a commentator said. It's not only the, the soldiers that had been out there. Now it's plus other people. So it's a big encampment, but they're spread out everywhere. Well, they raided all those other... You know, right, it wasn't just Ziklag either. Yeah, there was three other places yeah. before that. So there's a whole bunch of folks. So anyway, yep, this is pretty uh, pretty interesting, isn't it? Um, I guess, you know, the Egyptian slave was set up by God there too, and there, you know, drove him to the point of almost dying... He was that close, but that's why he probably gave all the information. Hey, these guys have treated me good. My master didn't, and that probably behooved him to go ahead and tell him, sure, I'll even tell you where, I'll show you where they're at. Uh, so, great. So, these guys, they're at home, they indulge themselves with the fruits of the victory that they had. Spread all over the land in 16, it says. They're not tightly assembled at all. And, you know, when they divide themselves out, they are becoming very vulnerable. What's really making them vulnerable is they are partying down. Eating, drinking, and dancing, they have no clue that anybody is going to come to give them any problem. And, matter of fact, they're probably just too drunk to even stand let alone fight. I think it was easy pickings for 400 men, not 600 men, 400 men to take on possibly thousands now and just wipe them out. And it took them, what, 24 hours? Something like that? Twilight until evening the next day. So, you know, and as they're spread out, they probably go a little bit further, you know. Uh, 
but I don't know how far they were spread out, but at any rate, it was easy picking for David and his men. Sure, and those 400 men could take on a lot anyway, but uh, this would have looked like uh, an impossible situation, but David has already got a guarantee that he's going to win this battle. And he will regain everything. That's what God told him. He believed him. David was ready to do it. The men were ready to do it. Just before that, the men were ready to kill David. (laughs) So David gives him another victory, right? So given the drunken state that they are, they're easy prey, and they just slaughter them. Not a single person escapes except the 400 young men on the camels, which possibly could be the Egyptian slaves. I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting, anyway. Fleeing on camels. Do, do you ever see uh, very many instances where... <laughs> Have you ever seen a camel run? <laughs> <laughs> think nobody chased them. <laughs> so, uh, everything and everyone that the Amalekites had taken were all recovered. Amazing, huh? Nobody's hurt. The only thing, what what is the loss? Well, Ziklag was burned. Well, that's good. They're not going to go back there and live, are they? They're, God doesn't want them there. He wants them in Judah. And by the way, this is going. This whole story is going to make this thing speed up quickly because he's going to be king very soon. <laughs> there, we've, we've taken this whole First Samuel and look how long it's taken to get to, to David being the king. So we've gone through all the times that he's been in the caves and being tracked down and now here he is on the verge of that. Well, um, 2131, it's about the spoils. There's a little bit of a sad note in this sequence here. But David takes care of it. When David came to the 200 men who were too exhausted to follow David, who had also been left at the brook Basor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him, Then David approached the people and greeted them. Can you imagine being those guys? And they're getting a little bit of strength back and they see their families. How would you guys do that? And they did it pretty quickly. Let's see. Uh, Well, a a full day and night, right, I guess. I don't know when they got any sleep, but uh, it probably didn't matter at that time, did it? Anyway, uh, they meet David, uh, people with him, approach the people, greets them, then all the wicked and worthless men among those who went with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except every man, his wife, and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. And David said, not so quickly. No, no, no. You must not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. 
who has kept us and delivered into our hands the band that came against us. You see, he's seeing it the right way. God is the one that gave the enemy to us. And who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down to the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. So it has been from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Behold, a gift for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. Enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, and to those who were in Ramoth of the Negev, and to those who were in Jatur, and to those who were in Aror, and to those who were in Sifmah. How much stuff did they get? Wow! And to those who were in Esthamoah, and to those who were in Rechal, and to those who were in the cities of the Jorahimahelites, and to those who were in the cities of the Kenites, and to those who were in Hormah, and to those who were in Borashan, and to those who were in Atak, and to those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to go. All of the spoils that they got out of this, they are giving to those places, those cities, those villages that got attacked. They are getting restored back. David goes to the people in Judah and Bethel, you know, all around that area, gives uh, spoils to his people and then to those other cities around. You know, and of course David raided a lot of places, but you know, the, the Israelite cities, he didn't do that. Of course he didn't. But you remember King Achish actually thought David was doing that. This is amazing. And that's how you became king. Well, it's using a lot of wisdom there. But he knows a lot of these people too. I don't think he was particularly... That was his motive. His motive was to pay back what was right, the righteousness of the people, of the Lord. Like he said, the enemies of the Lord, he wanted to bring back what they did. That's what his motive was. But it also makes it nice later when you become king that people kind of follow underneath you because they see that you're you're for them and not against them. Yep. And that's what's going on there. Um, It's a major problem at first. 400 men, they went and defeated the enemy, and they did what uh, you know God gave them the strength to do. Um, they defeated these Malachites, and there are a few of them. It's not the whole 400 men. There are a few of them that are wicked and worthless men. That tells it all, doesn't it? There's well, a lot of wicked and worthless men today, aren't wonder, there? Wonder, you know, nothing was said here in this last paragraph, but wonder what they thought when David started giving away all their stuff. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? And they thought they You're were going to take over there. Rich. Yeah. You're not going to get back what you have. And the interesting part is how did David know who belonged to what? Remember Debbie was talking about like they marked their animals and stuff like that? It makes you wonder if they knew then by those animals because they knew those people were what should go back to those people. 
And who knows? They they might even be getting more. Is it, who you know? This is a tremendous amount of loot. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, there were wives and children of those people. Makes killed. you wonder, yeah. doesn't it? I was yeah. wondering did that they too. Just take was it just the Israelites life? that they did that? Did they? Yeah, did they just? Yeah. Is that the only city they burned and, yeah. and and decided to take them because they knew that was David's. You know, maybe they had a thing out for him. I don't know. That's what I was wondering too. What about those other ones? And there could be. There could be. I'm sure they let them be free if they uh, so desired, right? Um, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you don't really get a full answer on, but you get enough, don't you? <laughs> you know enough. There must have been a lot because for him to split all that up with all those people. You kind of put it together there. This is the way we're going to do it from now on. <laughs> yeah. Share and share like. It, it holds on. Now this is how it's going to be from now, from now on. Right? Yeah, he legislated it right there. He's showing he's a leader right here. And that is not going to happen. They were banding together to go and... you know, it, it, It's not that they were not going to give their wives and children back to them, but they weren't going to get these spoils that they just now had gotten. Because they didn't fight with them. There's a lot of problems with that. And even though they did the actual fighting, their reasoning is this. You know, we did the fighting, so we deserve the reward. You didn't do it, so therefore... And there is no mercy. There is no grace with these men. There is no love for their mankind. There is no teamwork here at all. The 200 should be given back what uh, they lost, but they should not be given a portion of what we uh, have taken. We'll just divide us amongst us 400. And you know what? Now it's us and them. And those 200, what were you going to guess what they are? They were probably older or sickly, sickly yeah. people. They couldn't, they couldn't go on. Yeah, obviously they had some deferment of some sort, some yeah. problem that they weren't healthy enough. They were probably the youngest and the oldest. Right. And or, or sickly or whatever else, uh-huh. handicapped or whatever else. You know, maybe yeah. they've been the one, they've been battles, they did it for years, but now they are tired. You know, that's that thing that they're talking about. Sometimes justice is, you know, you have to look at who you're dealing with, either portion or past. Yeah. And I'm not. The other rest of the men didn't necessarily feel this way, right. but there were enough of them here Three. to try to get, you know, a mutiny going, really. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. That makes you wonder how big the town was, too, because if there were 600 men from that town and they had families and children, right. you know, how, how massive must all the people have been there? Yeah. And how big was the town? Yeah. Be, um, it would probably be pretty large community there. So, you know, these, these men here, these wicked men, they're assuming <clears throat> that the spoil is, is theirs. <coughs> And to divide and and uh, and to do it as they please, they assume that because they're the ones that got it, and they don't think about anybody else. Uh, that's number one. What they're assuming. Number two is that the because the two hundred men had no part in this battle, they didn't do it. They don't deserve it. Then, number three, they're assuming that the victory was their victory. Yes. Mm. <laughs> David set them straight on that. <laughs> Whose is it? Whose, whose battle is it? The battle is the Lord's? Whose victory is this? It's the Lord's. They thought they did something. 
they really thought they <coughs> did it themselves. And so, and these men are also, they're, uh, they're not asking for a bigger share of the spoils. They are demanding it. They're not asking. They are demanding. They're taking over. And, and, you know, as far as David's leadership is concerned, they're, they're trying to usurp it. Uh-uh. David said, not on my watch. And he just legislates it right there. Yeah, no Congress, no voting here. Uh, he doesn't let the wicked men prevail. And he handles them very well, doesn't he? He makes this thing stop like that because had it gone any further, can you imagine the battles that these men might have had fighting amongst themselves? They were ready to kill David right. beforehand. I have to wonder if it's these same two or right. these men, whoever, however many there are. Makes you wonder. They're the ones that started all that up back then. So he refuses them to, you know, to be done anything. And number one, they didn't earn these spoils. This is all by the grace of God, the victory, you know, the gracious Lord that He is. Um, see, they're into works-based rewards, you know, and and God uh, doesn't do that. This was a gift from God. The whole victory and everything they're getting, He could have said, "And you can't have the spoils." No, they're getting all of this. God gives it to them. But here you have men who have their own idea well, you know, of how to do it. You know, I had just stopped for a minute and thought mm-hmm. about it. The way David says this, he, he says, uh, with what the Lord has given us, He has preserved us and given them to our hand. <coughs> there is no way they ever should have been able to beat even another 400 guys. They were shot. Exactly. And they were completely worn out. It was impossible. It was impossible. The whole thing was ridiculous. They could not have done that. <laughs> and so they should be saying, how did this happen? Did this happen? Only the yeah, Lord does this. Exactly. And that's the whole point of this whole story. It's all about God. And you do see something in here about it with David bringing this forth and then seeking the Lord and you know the ephod and the priest all the way through. This is one of David's big moments. And he has several. But that's one of them. That's a big thing there. And he makes sure that uh, they don't get their way and, okay guys, let, yeah, the four, you 400 divided up, you know, the way that you like. No way. That didn't happen. You guys lost everything. These other... We're going to take care of all of our people, right? David's 600 men, they're all brothers. That's what he wants them to realize there in verse 23. They're family. God calls them wicked and worthless. Yeah, that's right. That's what God said in His Word. Wicked and worthless. That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, if I was going to do the Bible, I don't want to be a... That's not a good sign, is it? And he tells us to watch out for those people that are around them. Isn't this the way the church is to be? We are a family, and we depend on each other. This family that comes together as a local congregation all across the world, whoever are God's people, they come together how valuable they are to each other. And we're more family in the body of Christ than even our 
blood relatives, yeah. Unless they're part of the, the whole body of Christ too. But, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate family. Nothing wrong with blood relatives, but we're much closer even in that way because of the spiritual element. But it's great to have blood relatives that are in the body of Christ that are a part of the family too. And that's a, that's a bonus, isn't it? That's a big plus. So, at any rate, um, we see that David is showing all of his gratitude to God. He's kind. He's generous. We see absolute grace on display. He shows our people are getting things that don't deserve it. He chooses to stand for what is right. You know, he says it right there and stands up to these men. And you know, the good or the evil which we choose to do sets a precedent for the future, doesn't it? It sets for what we're going to, uh, what's going to happen next. What are we going to keep choosing? You know. And so David chose what was right. Uh, these towns that are mentioned here, David and his men frequented. They were familiar with these places. And some of these are the very towns that David led Achish to believe that he had raided and plundered himself. You know, some of those places are. These very towns are where there are elders, uh, men of uh, considerable influence that are treated very well here by David. Some of these men in these towns are David's friends, literally. And these towns are Israelite towns, and they're in the territory of Judah. And uh, they're David's kinsmen. They are important people because it's Judah, and of course David is from the tribe of Judah. He's going to be ruling. And these people he's going to need as backing him up now because some had turned against him in the last few years. And boy, with what he did here, I'm sure this will get you, you know, a lot of points. But it wasn't for getting points. It's because he, David is a very gracious man and generous as he does this. He could have kept it for himself. But he didn't need to. He had everything he needed. And these people have had everything taken and they needed things. And some didn't need so much, but he gave it to them anyway. And... These will be the very people very soon will be the first people to embrace Him as their King. Two lessons. Two minutes, two lessons. Number one, the providence of God. The priest and the ephod. The Egyptian slave who was left for dead by the enemy. So ill that he was left behind. This whole loss, in parentheses here, I guess you could put, actually was instrumental in causing David to return very quickly to the land of Judah, which is where he belongs anyway, and to be made king of Judah, king of Israel. All things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to their purpose. There it's lived out. We get to see as it's going along the front and the back. And we got to see what was coming in the future. They didn't see that. That's the way our lives are. 
But we look back and we go, hmm. So that's what God was doing then. But we didn't know it when we were looking ahead, do we? Because we can't see what's ahead. Only where we're at that particular time. That's what he did with David. David didn't know who he's going after, and but then God took care of all of that. I call that the providence of God. And that's your Romans 8.28 working. Number two is the principle of grace. Grace means that we don't work for God's forgiveness. We can't work for it. It's a stench to God if we try to please Him by doing some kind of work for His ultimate salvation forgiveness. All we have to do is receive what God gives. In grace, He has provided everything that we need at that particular time. And that is grace that we just keep on, even when we didn't earn it, because we really didn't earn it, did we? Even when we go out and work and get money. And when we've done something, whenever we deserve something else, (laughs) some kind of discipline, and He still blesses us. Yeah, amazing. We dare not ever take credit for it, do we? All the glory to God. And this is this is what you were talking about in your opinion there, right? David did what? He gave glory to God. He knew exactly where that victory came from. Um, it was God all along, every step of the way. And so we don't take credit for what God has done. He's done it all. Every, every, where we have gotten in our lives today, He brought us there. And you wouldn't change it, would you? Some of those things you'd say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have gone through that. And at the same time, you go, you know what? All of that He still used to make who you are now and who you're going to be ultimately. He's doing it. What a God. Third thing here, the principle of teamwork. God has given the victory, right? God is the one that does it, but... David and his men were the ones that took part of that battle. They did do that. We know that God, it's his battle, and he gives them victory, but yet they went out and did it, they went it and they did it together. And the other ones even played a part of it too. And they would have been there if they could have. They're all a part of that battle. And so they all win in this great team that God puts together. Well, you know what? We didn't finish 1 Samuel because there's one more chapter left. It seems like it would be good to stop there, wouldn't it? Well, um, that's victory. And he spread it out with all of his people. But yet there's one other thing that God has to do. And that's what's left for next week. Quite the life lessons in these lessons that we look at, aren't there? Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the time that uh, people have given to come out and uh, read Your Word, kind of study it and ponder it and think on it. It's You, Lord, who gave us all this and You give us understanding for our lives of, as we look in the past and as we live right now. We live by faith and not by sight. And so, Lord, as we live by faith, we just keep trusting You 
all along the way. Because there's victory at the end of it. And you're the one that brings it. In Jesus' name, amen.